0: Good morning, good morning, so we are in a bit of danger here this morning because I can ramble and I don't have a watch and because my time is all messed up, I know that I have an hour longer than I thought, so, oh wait, did I say danger? No, no, I just am going to get through a whole lot more than I thought I did this morning. Thank you, brother. What are you saying? But what's best is he didn't set this one ahead yet, so we're still safe. Except it's analog. Let's see, the hand means... Okay, we're good. Well, good morning. My name is Chris Richards. I'm one of the pastors here at Windsor Community Church. And uh, if you're new to us this morning, we like to teach through a chapter of the Bible, verse by verse by verse. And we are in Genesis. It's the first Old Testament book that we've dove into. And so we are, we're, we're over our head in Genesis right now. And as I talk to the different pastors, we're just loving it. And so there's so much richness here as we get the full counsel of God, as the Bible calls it, as we're trying to see every little uh, nook and cranny that God would have for us. So before we get started this morning, let's ask God to bless His Word. And to speak to us. Lord God, I just want to echo what Pastor Dean prayed. Lord, that Your, your Word would come to us this morning and that You're already preparing hearts the distractions to be put away and that Your Word would speak clearly to us. God, and as Pastor Dan prayed earlier this morning, Lord, that... We would be doers of the word and not just hearers. God, I pray that you would create in us a, just a holy awe of you that leaves us no other option but to worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I initially... uh, I have to get my footing a little bit in, in Genesis. And so, I'm going to do that by kind of going over a little timeline. As I study through Genesis, I'm reminded that... The book of Genesis hit the Israelites when they were in the desert. Okay? And so... You hear this often that the Bible is written for us, but it isn't written to us. And so we have to make that cultural transition so we can fully understand what it is these words are meaning. And in Genesis, this is a real big deal because there is a very specific group of people that this book was written to. This group of people just spent 200 years in Egypt Fully inundated by Egyptian and Mesopotamian culture, their gods, their beliefs, their customs, everything. They still had their heritage, but all of these outside influences have had a huge influence on these people. And when these people get the book of Genesis, as they're sitting in the desert, this is the framework for which they're going to interpret it. When these people hear about God creating the cosmos, about God creating the earth, about God creating the livestock and the plants and the peoples, the framework that they have to interpret that is Egypt. And so we kind of, in a way, almost have to kind of cross our legs and, and, and sit in the desert and listen to Moses tell the story about creation, and have that framework that you know what you've been beat up, you've been making bricks and you've been putting bricks on these big funny triangle things, and you're working in the sun and you're working and you're you haven't had a day off in oh wait you've never had a day off. Now we're close to that in America. Almost, We just about work around the clock now. But I don't think we're too much into working 18 hours a day, every day, carrying stuff, hauling stuff, getting smacked around, having no dignity. I don't think we understand that yet. Well, that's the context that we're going to talk about these couple of days. So you see up there on that timeline, here is where Genesis gets to the people now it covers that entire gap from zero or four thousand bc i actually found the date i love it and we'll get to that when we actually talk about the creation of man but i have the actual day that adam was created i'm so excited um i'm I'm not going to try and use that to buy a cup of coffee but i was excited to find the day we'll talk about that next week so excited The book of Genesis covers that entire time frame, but when they get it, they're sitting in the desert. Well, what we're doing here is Pastor Dan got us all the way through forming the earth. Day three. And we see in the second verse of Genesis, we see that the earth was formless and void. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. That formless and void is actually a significant problem. It's uninhabitable. Earth is garbage. It's this big whatever it is floating around in space. There's nothing there. It can't be inhabited. It's formless and it's void. There's nothing on it. And so God goes about solving this problem. In the first three days of creation, he starts taking care of the formless part and he starts putting it together. And then the way this whole thing is structured is there's a corresponding day for filling. Right? We saw God created the light. Well, we're going to talk about today God creates the light governors. God created the waters below and the waters above. Then God fills the waters below and in the, in the sky that he creates. And there's a corresponding day for each one of these. Then on day three up comes the land and that's what we did last week. Maybe it's Pangaea. Those of you who did a geography class a long time ago, that one continent thing, who knows what it was. But land comes up out of the water, water spills off of the land. And then what does God do on day six? Corresponding day, he fills up the land. And so you see there's this going on in Genesis as he creates form and then fills it and then fills it. He's answering these questions for these people that are sitting in the desert. So you have, oh, a couple million Hebrews, a little hungry, a little scared, a little wondering what's going on, and God answers these two very basic questions for them. Who are you? And who am I? Right? These Hebrews saw as they're walking up to the Red Sea, even before then, in Egypt, they have all of these plagues where God single-handedly dismantles all the gods of Egypt. When we get to Exodus, maybe someday, we'll see that. But God just single-handedly dismantles all the Egyptian gods right in front of them and says, I'm the guy. So they saw that, and then, and then they make a run for it out of Egypt and they get to the Red Sea, and, and they see God open up the Red Sea. But they don't know this God. We're talking 200 years In this place where they don't really know how to trust Him. So God's answering the question, who am I? And the question that every one of us have, who who I am. So God answers who He is and He answers who we are. And it's funny that today in in 2009, questions answered for us. We know who God is. He's right here. And we kind of know who we are because we're right there too. And we're still looking. We're still looking. I got this article this morning. And it was uh, actually posted yesterday, March seventh Los Angeles Times, the kepler spacecraft. Now, those of you who are geeks really are going to dig this okay The Kepler spacecraft has a thirty three thousand times wider field of view than Hubble. Wow, and everybody kind of goes to sleep okay that 's cool all right and and now we have um, you know. No, we're not going to go there. We have a faster network now. Maybe we can pump data back and forth from space a little quicker and we can actually see these images. Has anyone ever seen the images that came back from Hubble? Oh my goodness, they're phenomenal. What are these guys looking for? Well Let's see. So far they have found 300 in the last decade, 340 planets from Earth. And they know if they get above the atmosphere that's causing them all these problems, they're going to be able to find a whole lot more. And if they can just find one... One that's got something like, hmm, I don't know, water on it? Then maybe they can answer the question, who am I? And by the way, this is um, $590 million for 10 bucks. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to go there. Okay, I'm a geek too, and, and there is a lot of really cool science that goes on. And they're they're putting these spacecrafts together, and it pushes our technology further and further, and it's a great thing, great thing. So I'm not bad-mouthing them at all, but I can save them some money to answer the question anyway that they're looking for. So, day three, what do we have? Last week we saw the land coming up out of the water. Now, this part is kind of neat to me, because I'm thinking, I've seen some movies where they try to make earthquakes, happen on screen and and i'm a little scared i went and saw the perfect storm you ever see that movie where it's this huge tidal wave and the boat's trying to climb up the tidal wave and i'm sitting on the edge of the chair just kind of oh i can't go to movies arachnophobia was no good either it's i just get real tense watching these movies well i'm sitting here trying to think through day three from a natural perspective we have i don't know a mile of water And I'm sure you engineers can calculate what the pressure ratio is down there at the bottom. Um, It's a lot. And then the land, either either the deep gives away and water just rushes off the land. Or the land somehow rises up. But could you imagine sitting, well not there, but sitting, I'm not sure where you could sit. But that's got to be one catastrophic event. I mean, the entire tectonic plates are shifting and water's going everywhere. This is no mamby-pamby God here. He's moving the entire earth around and getting it ready for dry land. And that's exactly what appears, because what we're going to need to start today isn't some mucky, goopy, salt-infiltrated ground that can't produce life. Oh, no, no, no. Day three has two parts to it. It's the first day that has two parts to it. It has land being formed, but it also has God creating vegetation. Any biologists in here that don't like that? Salt water and vegetation that we eat don't go well together. Especially after all the energy that's released from the ground... All the volcanoes You can just imagine it... There's... There's no way plants could grow in day three. So we can give up the message now... Or we're going to have to make some adjustments. We're going to have to make some adjustments. So... What we'll have to do is... Maybe day three really was like... Ten million years. Now we've already agreed that we're not going to go there. Because we're all kind of convinced that the word yom really seems like a 24 hour day in a pretty big way and then the other problem with that is that that verse at the very beginning of Genesis this is the one that really messes us all up in the beginning God you know As cool as it is to think about how powerful and how much motion and catastrophic events must have taken place to move those tectonic plates. You know, none of that really had to happen. God said, let's have some dry ground. Boom! There's the dry ground. God said, let's gather those waters off. And guess what happened? They just gathered it we don't need natural processes here and as we go through genesis there is a danger danger because every one of us live in the west every one of us are highly intelligent and highly educated all of us are want to be scientists even if we aren't want to be scientists we still want to be scientists because they're so smart and there's a danger here that we don't try to give way to It has to have scientific explanation in order for those tectonic plates to come together and that Pangea to form and start moving around. God simply said, let it happen. And the Bible says, it was so. And it was so means it was made permanent. It happened. Now, I say that on one side, but I want you to know my heart is, I I really am highly interested in in how science goes and exposes the hand of God. The different things that God has done over the past centuries and, and, and how he's worked, because it's fascinating to see the order that God has put in our universe. It's fascinating. But we don't need it to get dry ground. And when we proceed as we go forward here, we'll probably take a couple little detours into the science book. But we don't need natural process. When God says, let it happen, God says, let it happen. And it happens. A couple of things that God is continuing to do before we get to the veggies. Just like with the plagues in Egypt, you're going to see through the days of creation as God makes himself known again to the Israelites. He is going to just start picking the arms off of the gods of Egypt. All the cultural gods in Mesopotamia, all these things that they've learned, God is going to create, and he, Moses is going to tell them very specific information to say, I got this one under control too. Pull arm off that guy. He's going to, just, he's going to mute all the gods from Egypt and say, you can trust me. Okay? And so the same thing happened there in day three. And you guys went through day three last week. Um, One little thing there, as we're going to run into this in further days, when the Bible says, and he named it, we'll see that in a couple of places. In ancient culture, when they say he named it, it means he's taking sovereignty over it. When I name my child, I'm taking sovereignty over him. When Adam was given the responsibility to name all the animals, God is saying, go and subdue the earth. He's giving him sovereignty over these animals. And so when it says here that God named the ocean, he's telling the Israelites, you know that that God, what was his name that did the ocean thing? Nun. it was actually a goddess, okay? No, no, I take sovereignty over that too, okay? And so we're going to see that in a couple of places here. So day three, the second half of day three, now we get veggies. It's very interesting that in day three, let's go ahead and read that second half of of day three. Starting in verse 11, Genesis 1, starting in verse 11. And God said, there's that key pronouncement. Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed. Each Catch this phrase, according to their own kinds. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its own kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning on the third day. God said let the earth sprout vegetation I love how simple that is let's see and God said in in just a sentence what do we have right now if we think what we have we have land dry land we have we have water up here we have water down here and now all of a sudden we have an oxygen factory right we're not going to spend a lot of time here but but we know how photosynthesis works right did you know there's something a plant can do that you can't do it can take it's a great solar deal It can take some sunlight. It can take some nutrients out of the ground. And it can produce sugar. So everything on the planet can eat. In this sentence. And God said, Let the earth vegetate. And that that phrase really means, Let the vegetation vegetate. It's just perpetual. It's just going to keep going. Let the vegetation vegetate. As it comes up, it has seed. It's going to vegetate some more. And those seeds are going to float over. And and they're going to land. And they're going to vegetate some more. And then... They're going to start seeing the sunshine here in another day. And they're going to start photosynthesis going. And they're going to start producing energy. All of this happens in a sentence. That's beautiful. What does God tell us about himself there? Because it isn't just dandelions that he's making. Remember, these people are sitting in the desert. They're wondering a lot of things like, Hmm, at least I had dinner when I was in Egypt. At least there was wheat that I could grind up and make tortillas. At least I had things when I was there and I could eat. And God tells them, "Mm, I control the harvest. I created the plants. Day three, I said, let the ground sprout forth. I control that. I control all the trees that are going to be bearing fruit. When you walk into the land and I tell you that I'm going to feed you, trust that. I can feed you. I created them the first time to bear fruit. I can create them again to bear fruit. Trust me. Trust me. A key element here is they produced seed. Okay, I'm not a biologist, and so I'm not even going to try to go here. Yes, I am. Now, a seed, they they find seeds like are in the little corners of these pyramids that have been around for thousands and thousands of years, that you can take that seed, dig a little hole in the ground, water it, it's going to germinate, and whatever DNA that seed has, it's going to grow. Maybe it's only me because I'm a little simple-minded. That's incredible. That's incredible. It has all the structure right there to grow its kind. If it was a wheat seed and you put it in the ground and you came back tomorrow and you saw an apple tree right there, what would you think? you think somebody switched out the seed because of wheat germ. A little wheat thing doesn't produce apple trees. It says its own kind, but it came... Everything came with seeds already ready to vegetate. He said, let the vegetation vegetate. Cool. Um, what came first? Chicken or the egg? The chicken. Okay, that's just a lifelong question. Now you can ask anyone, why did the chicken come first? Because God created the chicken, and the chicken lays eggs. God created the dandelion, and... Well, maybe the dandelion was a uh, something after the fall. Okay, uh, um, <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but my yard, it kind of looks like it was after the fall. Who controls the food supply? God does. And note that part according to its kind. We're going to see this over and over and over. And it is interesting to note. um, As we think about the flowers, there was a verse that came to me about um, Jesus saying, You know, even Solomon in all his splendor. This is New Testament now. Wasn't dressed like one of those little flowers out in the field. They're gorgeous. Oh, and those things are like gathered up and thrown into the furnace. They're here today and all beautiful. Tomorrow, you just burn them up. Not even Solomon in all his splendor was that pretty. God's saying the same thing. He controls the food supply. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be anxious about what we wear. We don't have to be anxious about that. The flowers that he clothes today and thrown in the fire tomorrow. He created every one of them. You know, when I'm all done with this, as I went through this. There is a little emotional response here that you sit back and say, wow. God created such perfection. And he did it with a certain environment in mind for me. And as I go through this, even though I'm sitting here saying it, I just think, wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I see the flowers and I'm like, wow, and I'm, God takes care of me even more than that. Wow. Next day, day four. On day one, we have the light. On day four... We have the sun and the moon to govern the light in the day and the night. Oh, yeah. And we have that little phrase, and the stars. It's just thrown in there for good measure. And the stars. He puts out a very clear purpose as to what the sun and the moon are created for. Now, let's just go ahead and let it out. God created light at the beginning. And now we're four days into this creation thing. And now there's a sun. So in case you didn't put those two together, um, you should struggle with that. Sun is what we know naturally produces light on the earth. The idea that we didn't have a sun in day one should cause you grief. At least enough to sit back and say, Okay, God, how did you do that? At least ask the question. Because then you get to dig into the character of God and God over and over and over in scripture like Pastor Dan was saying Uses this illusion to light because humans need light without light. You can't see how beautiful You each are You have to have light light is very important to us, but we get our light from the sun Oh, yeah, wait yesterday on the third day we created Plants And there's still no sun. Now, I'm going to put out two little things, and these are for you to go chew on. Okay? There are two words that Genesis uses for making things. He uses the word that's translated create, bara, and I can't pronounce the other one. That's the only one I can pronounce because there's only four letters in it. Whenever you see in Genesis 1... The word create or created, that's the word. But then there's another word that's often used, and that's translated, he made it. Other translations might say, fashioned it, formed, even worked on. Okay? And so, I'm going to just spit this one out for you to chew on, because as I did some reading, it is possible that something was there that he, because he uses the word, made, fashioned when it comes to sunshine. When it comes to the sun, maybe something was there and he gave it its purpose. Now, that takes care of the naturalistic view. I'm so happy we could do that. So we're going to keep coming back to this because you can have this fight day in and day out. Trying to, oh no, plants can't grow with no sunshine. Everybody knows that. So we gotta make some adjustments quickly to get that sunshine there and then, oh, it's really the word made and he didn't really create it and, okay, maybe he didn't and maybe it was made. It doesn't matter. You think God can't keep a dandelion alive for a day? Heck, he's kept most of you alive for years and years and years. And you've done numerous dumb things beyond a dandelion. Right? We don't need naturalistic explanation to take care of creation because in the beginning, God. And that's what he's trying to get across here. You can trust me. I take care of the sun, the moon. That God, Ra, that you had all those cults about when you were in Egypt? No. No, no. That's why I blacked out the sun when you left. When you left Egypt, when all the plagues were going, I made some significant darkness there. That's so you would know I trump him. He's a figment of your imagination. I am the creator God. Trust me. He's pulling this whole group of people into a trusting relationship with him. What are the purposes? The purposes of the sun, the stars... The moon is to serve as signs. Separate the day from the night. Serve as signs. Signs is a kind of odd word there. We're going to come back to that. And then seasons, days, and years. The signs thing we have to be a little careful of. Because the Bible tells us, beyond a shadow of a doubt, astrology is occultic. Trying to tell the future by the stars is an occultic practice Don't do it. I think I said that just as firm. That's what the Bible teaches. And so to say that we're going to look at the stars as signs, what does that mean? Well, he fulfills that when he says signs for seasons. He tells us immediately what it's for. But there is a break. There is a little conjunction there. And so as I read that, I, I did struggle over because it says signs and it doesn't connect them directly together. And so there's this word that's dangling out there by itself. And so I can't tell you that I don't struggle with that word science. What is it supposed to mean? And, and so some of the things that I read through, you know, for years and years and years, eons, we've used the stars to navigate. Right? And, and we love the stars because the stars are like a transcending clock. Tick, tock, tick. We know they move just right. And so you look up, you know what day it is. You know what time it is, you know what season it is by looking at these different things. And so when it comes to the the sun, the moon, the stars, they are signs, but they are not signs for us to go telling the future with. Let's go to the stars because in 16b, he just throws this little hiccup in there that says, and the stars. Okay? You know that one of the first things God had to do when he created Adam is he said, Adam, come out here, you've got to see this. And so Adam comes around, and God says, look up. He looks up. And, of course, everyone knows he didn't see anything. Adam's looking around saying, what, God? And then God says, oh, darn, I forgot about The starlight hasn't got to the earth yet. Okay, wait a billion years, Adam, and and the light will get there, because it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous, but it's it's not here yet. You know, that was supposed to produce more laughter than it did. Um, Thank you. Thank you. When God created the stars, when, when, when Abraham looked up in the stars, he could probably see about 5,000 stars. Because he didn't have one of those big monster telescopes. He didn't have the Kepler spacecraft to go up there and look out into the heavens. The estimates right now, now with this new spacecraft, these estimates in the next eight months are probably going to go up a little higher. But right now we're at um, about 400 billion stars in the Milky Way. Now... For those of us who don't really know what that means, the Milky Way is where we live. And it's our galaxy, and there's like 125 hmm, billion of those galaxies. How do you come up with these numbers? I, just, I can't even vouch for these numbers, by the way, but I could validate that many places said the same thing. That's what I can tell you. Okay? And, and we see some of the pictures of these things, and we're just in awe. When Adam looked up and went, wow, God, that's incredible. Could you imagine if he said, here, look through this? Right? And it just comes in the passage, it says, and the stars. That's it. Well, I have a couple of images here. If you ever get the chance to watch, and it's online on YouTube, type in indescribable. And go watch this. The This guy has pictures from Hubble that will just blow you away. And one of the things that gets you quickly, and i 'm going to talk to the men directly, but it 's really all of us, if you think God is like this little thing that women go to church to worship because they don 't have anything better to do, think about God creating fifteen point something billion degrees of burning hydrogen that 's ten light years across. Play with that for a little while this is no This is no manby pamby God that said. Let's just go to church and sing little songs for each other. This is God who created this universe. We had the discussion in the youth group this morning and said, "If why in the world would God create such a big universe if it's just for us?" <laughs> what a great question! <laughs> because it's silly. We could we could survive on a donut. We don't need this universe. But if the universe really is meant to display the glory of God, wow, that's what it does. And I don't think we've seen the end of it yet. We're going to, 33,000 times the size of Hubble, we're going to see some more stars. God was not messing around when he put these stars into orbit. And you know, this is an interesting thing we have in Isaiah 40. God says, I call each one of them out by number. And he says it for the same reason he was talking about the grass. He says, I call them each out by number. Do you think I'll forget you? That's the God we serve. The God that closed the field. The God that calls each of the stars out. Um, I don't know what 125 billion times 400 billion is. Oh, and we have a small galaxy. If somebody could do that math and give me the number of stars by the end of the service, that'd be good. This is a lot of stars that he calls out by number. And he says, you know what? I'm not going to forget you. I'm not going to forget you. I am sovereign. Oh, that's beautiful. A couple of pictures here. Next slide, please. You can go online. If you just type in Hubble images, these are fantastic. They're just fantastic. There's the sun right there, the outer core. Eh, It's only 11,000 degrees Fahrenheit. You could cook water on it pretty quickly. Next image. Now, this picture has undone me. And let's just sit there for a minute. Because it looks like even, even when they were going through the slides, they said, did you know you have a slide with nothing on it? <laughs> and I said, I bet I know which one that one is. Because this picture right here is incredible to me. Because, go to the next slide. Right there is us. There is a little dot that if you, if you go online and download this image, that is earth. Now just put this in perspective for a minute. The God that just flung all these hundreds of billions of galaxies out into the expanse died for you. And you're not even on the front side of that dot. You're on the back side of that dot. Okay? You can't even see yourself in there. And as you look at, as I look at this picture, the first thing that comes to my mind is, there is no way, no way that I could ever know that God. No way. It's not even possible. It, I am so small and so insignificant, and the universe is so big, I can't possibly know that God. Unless he told me about himself. That's the only possible way. And so as I look at that picture, I just go, wow, thank you, God. Because you made this entire creation partly for me to show your glory and to have a relationship with me. Okay, that does not fit in here. And when you get done with a thought that doesn't fit in your head, the only response to that is worship. It's the only response. When, when you get to that and know how insignificant you really are and then this God actually came to you and after the fall which we'll get to restored that relationship so He could have a relationship with us it's all about worship. you got nothing else. Blessed are those that are poor in spirit. That ought to be pretty simple right now. That ought to be pretty simple. Okay, let's move on day five. Uh, If you want to see that image online, type in pale blue dot. That's what that picture is called. And it'll come up with a thousand versions of it. Day five. Well, now it's time to fill up the waters beneath and the sky that God created on day two. Okay? Day two, he gathered the waters, he created the sky, and now it's time to fill them up with stuff. Different thing now. He fills them up with living creatures. And it's cool the word that he uses when he says, let the oceans swarm with swarming things. We had vegetation, vegetate. Now we have let the water swarm, we're moving now, with swarmy things. And so at this point, we have things that now can propel themselves, things that can move, things that are perpetually moving on the earth. And we get that piece that says he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill it up. Problem is getting close to being solved. What was the problem? The problem was that this earth was formless and void. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Formless and void. Well, we have form. And now we're filling it up. Be fruitful and multiply and fill it. That's what it says. And so the birds and the fish. Now, we have an issue here again. He uses a specific word here. I'm going to try and pronounce it. Forgive me if it's wrong. Tannin. T-A-N-N-I-N. This is a Hebrew word for sea monsters, the sea serpents, dragons it's used later on. This word means some big, ugly, sea monster, people-eaten beast. And he purposely uses this word because God had no problem subduing the deep. He created everything in it. Now, why is that a problem? As these guys came out of Egypt, what was in the ocean? Deities, things that created things, gods, goddesses, all of these things. And there's always a struggle. There's always a struggle between chaos and order. And the boundary of that chaos and order struggle lands on the beach all the time. Chaos has been pushed off into the ocean. It's just chaotic. Let them have it. That's where the dragons and all those things live. The land is where there's order and we can put our crops because the other guides watch out over us there. God says, no, no, there's no struggle. I created the land. I'm going to fill it. I created the ocean and I created Tannin, whatever that is. The great sea monsters, whales, big fishes, whatever you want to call them. I made them. And so again, he's diffusing all of that cultural stuff that they got out of Egypt. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And day six. Now we're going to stop halfway through day six because something kind of special happens in the second half of this day. It's a birthday. And we know that all of this creation is being put together for a climactic event. And that's the creation of man. And so next week we're going to spend a significant time looking at what that looks like in all of chapter 2 and the details. But day 6. Again, he created dry land on day 3 with vegetation. And now it's time to fill it. So... God creates the beasts of the field and man now he divides the beasts of the field into three categories there's three categories it's the livestock it's the little creepy things that run along the ground and it's the bigger beasts the bigger mammals, the bigger animals oh the, the dinosaurs it's too bad there's no kids in here because they would have screamed when I said that Okay, that's where the dinosaurs were right there the big creepy things that ran around yeah I got those too I created all of them. This is day six. And we see this four times. It's almost like God knew that 2009 was coming and we were going to do our best scientifically to work him out of a job. And he says four times in this passage alone, according to their kind. According to their kind. Kind. You don't put a fungus and an elephant together and come out with a giraffe. It doesn't work that way because God planned it ahead of time that they reproduce according to their kind. And so we have to go find another planet that has water. Very important. So that we have something to say about the creation of life. We also have to find this very important thing. There ought to be billions of them everywhere, but we've got to find this thing that we call the missing link. We've got to find it. He's got to be there. In fact, he should be everywhere because a lot of them have to come about so that one of them makes it. So there ought to be... These guys ought to be in the ground everywhere. We just haven't dug far enough. But in order... I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek. I respect these guys that sit out in the hot sun and dig and dig and dig because every time they dig, more of God's glory just pops out of the ground, right? It's just, it's beautiful. And so you, they do a lot of hard work there. I have to be careful how much I joke about that. But in the end, we've got to find him because this right here has to be wrong, the according to kind, because if things only reproduce according to a kind, you can't go from a single cell to a platypus. Well, maybe to a platypus, but you can't go from a single cell to something that doesn't look so goofy, okay? You can't do that because God says it here over and over and over. It is almost like he knew that this time was coming when we were going to try and work him out of a job by saying things have evolved. And let's conclude here. We're going to get into the creation of man next week. But as I thought through this piece, there's something special about creation. And that is, and this stands, not anymore, the theory has changed, but there was a time when we believed matter was eternal. What that means is, once a rock, always a rock. Matter was always here. It was here in eternity past, and it will be here in eternity future. That's not the case anymore, we don't think that. But the Bible tells us that all of this that God has created is one day going to roll up and go away. I have a couple of passages there, and I'm going to end by reading one specifically. But Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades. What's eternal? But the word of God stands forever. Grasses are going to be gone. You don't think that was the whole creation? Watch this. Hebrews 1. You, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. They will roll up like a garment. They'll be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will have no end. Just picture that for a minute. This however many trillions of light years that go across. (sighs) I have a feeling that's not going to be done by natural processes. 2nd Peter, but with the same word the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire and it goes on to say every element will just melt in the heat. But 15.5 million degrees, I believe it. And let's read this one other thing because this is going to be a piece that isn't natural either. Revelation 21 Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more and I saw a holy city and new Jerusalem coming down from the heavens. I bet this is not natural process either. Coming down from heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away this incredible universe that God has created to display His glory and to create us and put us in there so we could have a relationship with Him is one day going to roll up and He's going to create another one for us. That gives me, that's hope there. That makes a guy happy. That we can wait on that but the world is stored, as Peter says, for wrath. There's a passage that we were thinking of this morning that says, what does it do a man if he gains the whole world? Let me change that a little. What does it gain a man if he gets the whole universe, but loses his soul? In the end, you are eternally separated from the very God who created it all. What star are you going to play on? You got nothing. All the things that we chase, God says, I got that. I got it under control. I created it. Let's pray. Worship team, if you can come up. Lord God, I would just pray that that your words would create in us a desire to worship you. And God, as we respond to you right now in song, Lord, would you just lift our hearts? Would our worship to you be a fragrant offering. God, that we could just focus on on everything that you've done, done for us and everything you've done to just share your glory with us, to, to show us who you are. Thank you for showing us who you are and thank you for bringing Jesus to us that we really can have that, that relationship with you. We love you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.